Father, indeed, we, we come to the holy altar of your grace and your mercy that we can receive by faith all of your goodness, your kindness that you have lavished upon us through your son. What a wonderful savior you are. What a wonderful God that you are. Lord, help us as your people in the short, finite life that you, out of your great counsel, that you have granted to us. You've given us this 70 plus years of life For something that we might live a life worthy of the calling from which we have received to make much of your name to show the falling world that is passing away that you are God and there is no one like you and father the message today is one that I pray that you would pull back heaven here today. You will pull back our hearts and allow for us to see in this world that's seemingly, Lord, is moving swiftly towards something. But Lord, we want to live for you. No matter what comes at us, we want to be found faithful. When it's all said and done, we pray that, Lord, that you will look at each of us and say, well done, my good and faithful son and daughter. Be with us now and be with me, Holy Spirit. Touch my tongue and my heart. Lord, I just want to especially thank you for making it to 55. I, you know, I never thought that I would make it to this age, and, but here I am because of your grace. And I just pray today, Lord, that your spirit and your presence would be ever present as I stand here behind this pulpit for your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand to your feet. Thank you, praise team. Thank you for leading us to the, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our text here today is from Romans 14. And it says, so then let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. And do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong to make someone fall by what he eats. It is good. It is a good thing not to eat meat or to drink wine 
or to do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. And blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and everything that is not from faith is sin. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. You know, as a pastor, preacher, and most of you, if you've been with us for a while, know that we typically teach here what we call expository, line upon line, precept upon precept, meaning we typically don't do topical sermons. Um, not to say that there's nothing wrong with preaching topical sermons, except that you can tend to make the scripture say what you wanted to say versus on addressing what comes at you from the word of God and having the discipline to do the study and the preparation, just allowing the word of God um, to, to lead us and to guide us. And I believe that's true today and what the Lord has put on my heart from out of our text and how God is truly the architect and the one who superintends over his word as he has for generations. But we've been preaching through the book of Romans since September 2019. I had to ask Patrick and Dion. Dion didn't respond back later, but Patrick, Patrick's an accounting by heart. Dion's an accounting by profession. So Patrick, remember, he said, September. So I asked my man, Pat. So 2019, Dion, that's no shock. I know you don't like being an accountant, but Patrick, he, he knew the date when I started. So, and so, and I believe with all my heart um, that God led us to this great epistle because he knew um, the schemes of the evil one that was lurking around the corner like a roaring lion seeking to devour its prey. Jesus, who is the king and the head of the church, and the church are those by his shed blood who have been ransomed or purchased from every tribe, every language, and every people group, and every nation of ethnos upon the earth the preaching, the teaching of the gospel, whereby God calls them to himself. The Lord knows those that are his. They come from the pores of the poor. For some reason, when I was writing it up, it just really hit me. Um, they come from the bottom of the bottom. The hip hoppers call it a trap. They come from the dirt all over this world. 
And they come from the riches of the rich. Some are educated. And some are not. Some live very long lives and some die early deaths. They are all providentially ordered by the all seeing and all knowing God of the universe. It's in the Gospel of John that we are told by Jesus in chapter 16, verse 13. Talking to his disciples, he says, when the spirit of truth comes. He will guide you. Into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears from the father and the son he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is God, third person of the Trinity. He knows what's about to come. He can see it. And through his people, his servants, his church, his disciples, the Lord speaks to his people. He gives us hunches, intuition through his word. What's about to come. And I believe the Lord, by his spirit, put it on my heart that a great assault was coming to the church here in America. That this assault would cause great division and separation among many brothers and sisters in the professing Christian community. In fact, I believe that Satan had been scheming for this particular kind of attack for a very long time. And that it would have at its core race and ethnic something. I didn't know quite how much but the Holy Spirit gave me a glimpse that it would have at its core race and ethnic something that would be the catalyst in dividing the people of God. Jesus spent 33 years on this earth as a physical human being. And before he went to the cross, he prayed a prayer, which is called the high priestly prayer. Another way some would call it the farewell prayer from John 17. Brother Carl is going to put the slides up on the board. Um, every time I read this chapter, I cry. I think for me, I just, I enter into that scene. I'm sitting there and I'm watching and I'm hearing. I've never seen Jesus, but I try to, to imagine what he looks like, the sandals he's wearing. That's why I wear lots of sandals. <laughs> Was his toenails cut? I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> I don't know what, did he get manicured like the young people do? I don't know what he did. <laughs> his toes are you know, really long, you know. 
I don't know, but I do. I try to sit at that scene. The universe was made by his hands. Every human being ever formed, he created them. The God man. So I, I tried it. I said, do I believe this story? As I'm, this one who says, I am he. I am Yahweh. I am the one in the beginning that spoke over the face of the deep, over the waters, and out of pitch darkness, life, land began to appear. And so he says, praying to his father, sanctify them, make them holy. Call them out of Egypt, out of the world. We're all dead. We're lost. Fighting, hatred, evil, civil war in our own hearts and civil war with each other. He says, sanctify them, Father, by your truth. Your word is truth. It's truth that Jesus is referring to. That's why we read here every week. We read the Apostles' Creed. We want you to know the major doctrines of the faith. Those are not debatable. If you don't believe Jesus is the son of God, that, that we can't walk in step with each other. We can get into the non-essentials, but that one right there is where I, where I die. Because if Jesus is not who he says he is and you believe that he's just a, he's just a regular fellow down the road and he's not really God, then we, we probably not going, we just probably not going to hang out too long. It's just, <laughs> and I'm going to try to persuade you, but if you just keep saying, no, nah, he's just right there with Muhammad and, and Buddha and, and, and one of the other guys. And I'm just going like, man, you know, here's, here's, you know, here's some, here's some, here's some chewing gum, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be. So that's what he's saying. This, there, this truth here is, the, is what makes us who we are here today, the church. We can't disagree on that. We're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. We've been saved by the power of God through gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to all believe that. If you say, well, I've been saved by myself. My grandma saved me. Uh, my, mom, my mother saved me. I got saved because I gave you a lot of money, Pastor Hardy, or whatever it is. That's a different kind of gospel. <laughs> That's not the gospel that the word of God tells us. So he says, sanctify them by that truth. That Eternal truth that doesn't go in and come out depending on the time and the generation that we live in. That truth is eternal. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate. That's the truth. He says, as you sent me into the world, cosmos, I have sent them into the world. His disciples, then and now. And I sanctify myself for them that they also may be sanctified by that truth. Jesus came to die for sinners. He came to take on sin so that we could be whole. We could be, take on the righteousness of God. Verse 20. But I pray not only for these, those that were in front of them. I wasn't at that scene, but I try to imagine. But Jesus saw me being born in 1966, August 8th. 
My birth was not by osmosis. It didn't come by accident. God had the order, the, all of the stuff that goes into making a baby. And I thank God he did. He said, I pray not only for these, but for also for those who believe in me through their word. They started preaching the word, writing it down. And now 2000 years later, here we are. Same word, same gospel, same spirit. May they all be one. And this is Jesus talking. This is, you know, I'm in the scene. I'm listening. And it's only a few days he will be making his way to Golgotha. May they be one. I mean, this is last words, you know. You know, when you're in your last words and people are dying and, you know, you don't have time to mess around. You try to get it out. May they be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May you may they also be in us so that the world so that the world so that the unbelieving world may believe you sent me. And I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one, that the world, here again, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me, the gospel. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them, Father, and will continue to make it known so that the love, hear that, the love you have loved me with, with me, love me with may be in them and I may be in them. And now we come to the text today where we see once again, Apostle Paul reiterating against the importance of unity, liberty in our vast diversity. We come from all backgrounds, all kinds. But you see here, Paul once again is reiterating the importance of unity in our text here in 14. The fact that Apostle Paul, who's writing under the direction of the Holy Spirit, is repeating this notion of not passing judgment on each other, not disputing over the non-essentials, not destroying or tearing down the work of God, 
not causing a brother or sister to stumble because of our freedom and liberty in certain matters. This repetition by Paul, it undergirds, it undergirds God's heart for unity among his people. It's like God is screaming it out. And you can you can see why, because Jesus last prayer is about us being one. He's not missing words here. He, He really does want us to be one. He wants us to be unified. And he knows that we come from vast backgrounds because he is the one that made us. He is the one that has created us. But yet Paul says. He wants us to be one, to be heart of unity in all of our vast diversity. And so in verse 19, you can put the text back up. It says, so then let us pursue. We see Paul's exhortation. He says, let us pursue. Let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Paul's just like, he's just hammering this in. Let's pursue. This, this Greek word pursue means to, to carry out or participate in an activity, to hasten, to run, to do with effort. Paul says, make an effort to pursue which promotes peace. This word peace means Harmonious relations and freedom from disputes. Paul says, are you promoting peace on the Internet? Are you constantly seeking to divide God's people? Paul says, Christians in Rome. I want you to pursue peace, hasten to it, to do it with effort, create an atmosphere of harmonious relations that are free from disputes about things that doesn't really matter. I saw, I mean, I haven't watched hardly any NBA this year, watch more ESPN, I mean, I watch it on YouTube, and um, and I saw the U.S. won the championship, and I, I went and, because YouTube has already booted me off once, so I tried to be careful what I said. And I put it in this, I said, who cares? <laughs> That's how I felt. I'm like, they had a picture of Durant. I said, who cares? In 10 years, nobody even know who Durant is. He already going bald here. Who cares who won the championship in 2021? This is like, the world's just like, I said, who really cares? Then I got a bunch of likes, so then I may say more. I never. <laughs> but Paul says, pursue the things which promotes peace. And then he goes on to, to say, that which builds up one another. This is, is the ideal, is the, is the act of bringing something closer to fullness or completion. 
is the idea of assisting in the construction of an incomplete building. Paul says, you, you seek, you pursue, and you go about bringing something closer to the fullness of the completion. It's what Ephesians tell us. We build each other up. Say, so you go, girl, you can do it. You've been called to sing. Tell our worship people, girl, you've been born for this. When you see them stringing, they come up here. You know, it's a scary thing to do it, but when you encourage them, girl, you was born to sing. You was born to lead the people of God in worship. When you see them greeting, girl, boy, you was born for this. You were born to shake hands and to, and to give that smile when people walk into the house of the Lord. You were born for this. When you see our young preachers come up here and you see them make sure every now and then, you say, brother, you got the God's gift on you to talk and to communicate the word of God. You, you encourage them. You spur them on. You build them up. That they become all of what they were born to be. Paul says we go about doing this. And then he says, do not tear down God's work because of food, which we talked about last week. The kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is not about what kind of food you eat and what you don't eat. So Paul says, do not tear down God's work because of food. But everything is clean, Paul says. All food is clean. It may not be clean to you, but it may be clean to that Chinese Christian who's eating it. Paul says it's not about the food. But it is wrong to make someone fall by what he eats. And then he uses this term. He says, it is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Paul in verse 21 uses the word in Greek here is kalos, which the word for good, which carries the sense of something beautiful, something better, something beneficial. And Paul here is talking to the strong saints. Been around for a while. I mean, when I was new, I had all kind of prejudice. You know, good thing God don't make preachers right away. When I, I mean, if I'd have been a pastor in the first week I got saved, whoo! Ain't none of y'all would have been to come in here. Just the way you dressed today, you would have been, been sitting on the way to hell. <laughs> I had you right on the hell's train. Man, I was just messed up. That's amazing. That's why you shouldn't put young people up right where they can say, no, nah, man, you got to get, if you won't eat a steak raw, some of y'all eat steaks raw, but you know, for us, those of us who eat the steak, they like to cook it. <laughs> you got to marinate that steak. <laughs> Season it up for a while. God does the same thing with us. So when the church responds to each other, Paul says in 21, it is a good thing not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything that makes your brother. 
This is Paul said, this is a beautiful thing when we think about the people that were around us. So when the church, the people of God responds to each other in love. This is going back to verse nine of chapter 12. Love without hypocrisy, have sincere love. This, this love is a beautiful depiction of the power of the gospel that we begin to think about other people. And this is what the, the Paul says, this is a good thing. This is a beautiful thing. When the strong Christians put their, the interests of others first. You remember how we were in the world? We didn't put anybody first but us. It was us, 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 us on Monday, and it was us, us, us on Sunday. <laughs> we didn't care about nobody. But when the grace of God has come into our lives, we are now Christians. As Chad read it from Philippians 4, we now begin to put others' interests before our own. So when Christians do that, and when everyone seeks the interests of others over their own interests, it's a beautiful display. And when a brother or sister refrains from drinking wine or alcohol or smoking a cigar or getting tattoos or eating meat because it may cause a brother or sister to stumble. You say, man, pastor, that's. Me getting tatted up like Tupac. <laughs> Thug life on the belly, on the back. <laughs> and, and the brother over there who just come in, he's like, man, what kind of pastor is that? <laughs> you know, believe it or not, <laughs> I was coming to church here today. I almost didn't make it here because I almost got into an evangelism thing. I saw three young black men walking and the smartest one at the group, he must have been 12 or 13, 14. But Malcolm, he had his pants down here. And I saw it. And something came over me. I stopped and I said, well, I ain't got my thing on me. So let me, I got, so I got to get my license. Today. So I said, All right, I ain't got my heat on me. So let me just, but I do have the heat of the Lord on me. <laughs> Cause I didn't know they were looking, looking like that look, and and I just saw. I said, man, you know, I just saw almost. I wanted to get out my truck and just, you know, pull his pants up. I mean, it was really messing with me. And I said, man, it's already four forty-five. Mike, they're gonna be looking for the pastor, give the preacher sir. But I know if I would have stayed there, I would have just, who know, I probably still be there. But. Here, there, and I, and I drove away. The Lord said, now, nah, how are you going to get on him? See, y'all remember Louisville. I'm at the gym playing basketball. Michigan, Fab Five, won the championship, whatever. My shorts used to be way down here. <laughs> Louisville, pull your shorts up. I had that look. <laughs> had them Jordan song shorts way down here. <laughs> I'm dunking in the gym. And, and God had to remind me, <laughs> just in a few seconds, <laughs> I said, Lord, I be forgetting how bad I was. <laughs> and Pastor Dio would have saw me, he said, Louisville, what are you doing? 
that I was sagging like, like, like Jamie Rose. <laughs> but if I walked around now, <laughs> you saw me playing hoop. And I was sagging at the tracks. Some of y'all was like, man, I don't know what kind of Pastor Urban Hope got. But that dude ain't saying. <laughs> I've had brothers get in my truck, you know, and I got that Christian rap on. You know, you can't hardly tell no more. And then one guy looked at me. He said, well, you're a pastor? <laughs> I said, man, keep listening. He's going to mention Jesus real quick. <laughs> He's going to mumble it, but it's in there. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> he looking at me. What kind of pastor ride around a black truck playing this kind of music? <laughs> He's like, man, let me out at the corner. I'll walk. <laughs> so my point is, Paul says, when we refrain from some of these things, we just like, okay, brother's weak. He may or may not understand that you can smoke a cigar and you have the freedom to do it. But maybe in his presence, you take your, your Cuban cigars and you stash them way up in the alley somewhere <laughs> and wait till he get way down the road <laughs> and then you pull them out. If he comes to your house and he just sees all the alcohol out, he says, that guy, an elder? No, take your alcohol. Hide it behind the sign, <laughs> rope sign. That's what Paul is saying. He said, when we do these things, we refrain because we have come to recognize that these disputed matters are secondary. And out of love, we continue to pursue peace unity, oneness, and granting liberty in all of these secondary issues. I'm about to say some things here. Um, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, I don't really know how to say it. I mean, you know, so I was crying today. <laughs> so I was like, I said, Jesus, I love you, but, you know, you put a lot on my heart. And so, and that's going to kind of bring the plane right where we are, not just our church, but, you know, the universal church, especially the church here in America. So, because this secondary issues and liberty is important, but you can see God knew that we was going to have different opinions about some of these secondary issues, but not the main ones, the truth that sanctifies us. So here we go. So as a local community, we must be mindful of this in maintaining our unity, maintaining peace, and granting gospel liberty to each other more and more on these secondary issues. Secondary issues that are coming our way from the government, from our employers, our family members, and various institutions. Here they are. Contemporary, whether to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. I have no scripture on that. Whether to take the vaccination for COVID-19 or not to take the vaccination. And this includes future viruses that are predicted to come. Whether to homeschool your kids or do Christian schooling or public schooling for education purposes. 
I have no scripture on that. This is turning the corner. To condemn certain people groups because of past sins done by individuals from that people group. For example, calling our white brothers and sisters with European heritage as having white privilege, which is a term that no one can define biblically, though many would refer to it in a sociological concept. You just can't find a scripture for it. Or calling all black brothers and sisters victims or by default oppressed people groups because of the melon of their skin, which are granted to them by God. You just can't find a scripture for any of it. These are just a few of some of the disputed matters right now happening that are now destroying the work of God in many of our churches and causing great division and separation. Genesis 1, 26, 27 is very clear. Then God said, let us make humans beings in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, human beings in his own image and in the image of God, he created him male and female, not 2000 genders. He created them two genders, male and female. Yet that right there is separating the people of God. In Acts 17, 26, he says from one man, Adam, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth. And he has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. Every nation Every tribe, God set the boundaries. He placed them there where they should live. God did that. And Paul says in Romans 2.16, he said, and on that day when God judges what people have kept secret in their hearts, and Paul said, according to the gospel that he's preaching to the Romans, he said, according to my gospel through Jesus Christ, God is going to judge every human being. We've talked about that. Every living soul will come before the Bema and the ultimate judge will read your life back to you. Everything you've done, every thought you thought. Paul says, according to my gospel, that day is coming. And so Paul Words to us ending this sermon, verse 22 to 23, are to the strong saints, those that have been walking with the Lord for a while, or the mature believers concerning 
our personal convictions and the views that exist among us. He says, whatever you believe about smoking a cigar and drinking wine and drinking Hennessy and drinking Cristal. What's the one Puff got out now? Ciroc. Whatever you believe about all of that, tattoos, whether you believe you want to make a little bit straightened, you want to be amigo, whatever you believe about that, Paul says. He says, whatever you believe about those things, keep between yourself and God. Whatever you believe about some of those disputed matters, he says, keep that between you and God. Do not go around tearing up the church of Jesus Christ over those disputed matters. Paul says, keep that between you and God. Because Paul says, remember, Paul says, pursue peace and building each other up in love. Seek to complete to assist. What we see here is that Paul's words are strong about the things that we believe that are secondary issues. Paul says we all have them, but Paul says keep them between you and God. Well, you think a woman should not wear pants. I mean, I, mean, I could just give you all kinds of descriptions where people would split over. We would be here all night. That's the point. And churches split over that. Whether you believe that hymns should only be sung, or whether you should believe that no hymns should be sung. <laughs> the overall principle of these two verses teach us that the Christian life is between the believer and the Lord. But then he goes on in the end of verse 22. He says, but blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. This here is speaking to the strong that we have liberty about these matters. We're, we're, not, we're not hung up on them. We're, we're free, whether to eat meat or to be a vegetarian. We're, we know that all meat, all food is clean. And so Paul is saying to those who are strong, and, but you know, we got, remember the church is, is from all the world. In, in the Roman church, you had all kinds of people, but mainly the context is dealing with the Judaizers, those who had come from the, the, the tribe of Moses, the Jews. They had all of these dietary things that God had told them to do. Now that the church has moved on from that, they had hangups about whether or not you should eat certain things. We're over there today. Satan made a whole lot of bacon. I love bacon. I love pork. <laughs> I love pork roast, pork whatever. I love pork. <laughs> now, some people say, man, don't you know Pastor Hart that's bad for your heart? I don't. See, here's my freedom. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm a little overweight, but I still like pork. <laughs> I love Jim and Nick's. <laughs> and some of you do, too. Chad eats all kind of meat. I mean, y'all know he likes to hunt. Deer, squirrels, <laughs> babies. 
got half of the church shooting babies now. Y'all know what a baby is. Little baby deer, just been born. <laughs> he don't even know how to get through the woods. He's blind. He just barely can see. We don't care. Meat, eat. <laughs> Some of y'all say, Pastor, see, see that's why I can't. Got Chad got to figure out, well, brother, are you free indeed to go out to kill? Because <laughs> whom the sun sets free is free. We're going to shoot to eat. <laughs> Some of y'all say, well, I ain't free. Well, you probably won't stay back here. Because I haven't gone yet, and I probably will not go. So I can't kill Bambi. I've watched too many cartoons. Rudolph the Red No Reindeer, I can't do it. <laughs> but Paul is saying, but blessed is the one who does not condemn himself. Meaning you can not eat, can't eat, you have a freedom. So Paul is saying, when you eat, you're not, con don't, you're not condemned, your conscience is clear. You're not going to bed feeling like, man, I should have never ate that pork. Pastor Howard Sandra cooked that nice pork roast, and man, I should have never ate that. I know, I'm, I mean, I had, like, I still, I mean, I used to be with Islam, and you know, they told me, you know, no, nah. you know, you may, so this is where I'm gonna get to, because this is important where I'm going with this. But Paul says, blessed is the one who does, but not condemn himself by what he approves. His conscience, her conscience is clear. So I said here in my notes, this last part, this is speaking to the strong that have liberty about these matters and they have a clear conscience on these matters. Believers may hold different convictions about many matters but they must hold to them in love. And now we get to verse 23 is where I am. I call this part of the sermon, the believer's conscious. And this is important because what's happening now. Paul says, we are saved by faith. Hebrews 11, 6, um, without faith, it is impossible to, um, to please God. Faith is important. Your, your inner convictions when those guys ran that planes into the 9-11, they believe what they believe. That's faith. So faith is vitally important to how humans act. What you believe is what you are. People live and move by what they believe. Game bangers do it all the time. You kill my boy, I'm getting you. We in, we die out. That's faith. They believe that. You say that's crazy. But that's what they die for. They've been doing it for years. Blood in, crip out. GDs, gangsters, you know it. We see it every day. That's a faith. By what you believe, those inner convictions that moves people. So Paul says, but if whoever doubts stands condemned. So if you're doubting, you stand condemned if he eats. So and Paul is saying, if you doubt and you're eating something or you're doing something that your conscience that you believe is wrong in your inner human personality, you believe that that is sin. That is evil. Smoking, drinking, dancing. Whatever it may be, those those disputed matters. You believe that eating pork is, 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 is actually breaking the law of God in your inner man, in your inner conscience. Paul said, if he doubts, 
stands condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. This is talking to the weaker brothers. You're doing it, but you say, no, this is not right. Though I see him eating or drinking or doing something. But to me, I'm, I'm, I'm staying up all night. I don't feel good about it. I don't think listening to a little bit straightened is good for a human. As me goes for some of y'all don't know who it is. <laughs> I don't think that's good. And it messes with you all night long. And but if you go and do it, Paul says that everything that is not from faith is sin. And so I'm right here with R.C. Sproul said, if we believe something is a sin, even if it is not, yet we participate in it, then we have committed a sin because we have done something we believe to be wrong. Whether or not it actually is wrong, the sin is not the inherent to the act. The sin is doing something that we think is evil. So Paul says, if you think something is wrong, and you do it, to you it's sin. And it's sin from God's perspective. Even though it's not even sin, it could be. But that's how, I, this is how important with the conscious. So this leads me to this, practicality. Christian views on medications are not the same. And some have very deep convictions about them. I am old enough to remember when doctors started prescribing Oxycontin and the addiction that started happening everywhere. So you remember when it started happening? In our church. White suit guy had a suit jacket on, he goes in, you got a headache, you don't feel good, mama died, yeah, here, Oxycontin. What has that led to? Talk to me. Say it again. Addictions. Which has led to drug abuse and the opioids. Who prescribed it? Okay, stay with me. Is it wrong to take Oxycontin? No. Some Christians have a view, I don't want no medicine that has that kind of power coming into my body. Are they wrong? Are they right? No. <laughs> That's my point. So if you see one of your brothers popping Oxycontin because he had a bad hair day, just say, brother, God bless you. <laughs> Seriously. Not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I saw people get hooked who are not on heroin and some of them are died. That's all I'm telling you. I end with this. To take the vaccination or the vaccine is a matter of one's conscience. And to force to do so is going against something sacred. That I believe is another scheme of Satan that will seek to divide the church even farther. And this is why for us here, what an appointed time for this sermon coming up for us. What do we don't? What do we do? Those are secondary issues. But we must remember Jesus' words in John 17. He wants us to be one. 
Some of us feel deeply convicted in our inner person that taking the vaccination is a death nail. And therefore, because they believe that way, they should not take it. Even if the government forces it. And here's where it's going. Because they are. The question is, how are we going to respond to each other? Or we now one person is unholy and one person is holy because one person believes it's okay to take it and one person don't. We grant liberty. We love. Even though we know the world is trying to force division and have done so very well, we must maintain as a secondary issue. I have no scripture in the Bible to tell you whether you should or should not. And I'm not going to tell you. You vote and do it according to your own conscience. What God has told us, that our days are numbered. He has pointed a time for each of us as we were born, a day where we will die. That I do know. I don't know when that day is. I don't know when that day will be. I thought I would have been dead a long time ago. But thank God that his days were not my days. Because <laughs> I would have been dead at 30, 28, somewhere in there. And God said, no, nah, I have your days numbered. And no one or nobody or no virus or no whatever is going to take your life until I say it's time for Alton Hardy to give up the ghost and come home. That is a comforting reality to me. That's how I live now. That's how I can get on a plane. Because I realize God is the controller over those things. And so for us, I'm doing all I can to pursue love, to seek to build up God's people. Because I know all the rest, who wins a championship, who loses one, are secondary issues. That's why I say, who cares? doesn't matter. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth of your word. We thank you for the rhema of your word, the charis time of your word, how it comes to speak to us in moments where we need to be encouraged to know how we as Christians should live. Father, we are a growing church with many people from many backgrounds coming in. And these are very nuanced subject matters. People are now losing their jobs because their conscience tells them to do one thing, but the world and the government is saying you have to do this. And Lord, we would be a fool to think that was not hit the church and it's already hitting us. And Lord, I don't really know how to do anything but to obey what I know to obey and see what I see. To love my brothers who may hold to a different opinion. Not to break fellowship over these things that we cannot prove one way or another from the scriptures. They're according to our own conscience. But those things that we do know that we cannot differentiate on. Like whether or not you are the son of God, the one who came to take away our sins, we must agree on those things. And we do, Father. We agree that you are sovereign over all and in all. We agree that you've numbered our days. 
You've set a time when the day that we were born, you've set a time the day that we will leave and depart from this life. Holy Spirit, drill these truths down into our hearts. As we see the world that is being shaken from this very foundation, that we would not be lured into a fickle theology where we're up one day and down the next. But help us to be strong in our faith, strong in what we believe, strong in our confessions and strong in our professions that we live as though tomorrow or tonight could be the moment where you crack the skies. There's nothing left. You could come anytime now and pull back the heavens. Help us to be prepared for that moment that we live in light of that that we know that there's a day coming, Lord, where you will bring each soul before you and you will allow us to see our lives and what we did with it, what we spent our time with, what was important to us. But Lord, we want you to be important in our lives. Not the money, not our families, not our children. We want you in all of the things that we have that you've given to us. We want you to be first and foremost because it is you who gave us life. It is you that give us air to breathe. It is you that wakes us up in the morning. It is you who will say, today you come home with me. Help us, Lord, to live in view of that reality. Not the false realities. Pharaoh can't control anything. He can't even control his own destiny, let alone ours. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Make us to know your word more and more. We thank you for it now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Please stand to your feet as Pastor Chad makes his way up here. And...